Hey guys, did you ever want to try something that is just distinctively Florida? Or what about the taste of Florida, like the true essence of Florida in a drink? Then you need to try black coral rum. It's like capturing the sunshine state in a glass. But black coral rum just isn't any rum. It's not your average rum. It's actually a celebration of Florida's vibrant culture and history. So with each sip, you're going to be transported back to orange groves, swaying palm trees, and it's going to be as smooth as the sand beneath your feet, whether you're drinking the white rum, the spiced rum, or the black rum. But what really makes this rum special? That's the dedication of the locals who craft it. It's made by those who share a deep love of Florida and only use in Florida ingredients. So if you're looking for something that is distinctly Florida, then look no further than black coral rum. Where do you find black coral rum, you ask? You're gonna find it at their distillery in West Palm Beach. Their distillery is Steel Tie Spirits. Can't make it to West Palm? That's okay. Check out their website, steeltiespirits.com. And trust me, you're gonna sip on this and you're gonna think nothing but Florida. Hey guys, welcome to That Florida Feeling. How is everybody this week? I hope it's been a good week. Florida weather be doing whatever it wants to do. Some days it's cold, some days it's warm, some days it's hot. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I own clothes enough for this, but we're making it work. Thank you to everybody who has interacted with the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok pages. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, the YouTube is just going to probably be a lot of shorts and a lot of food reviews. And you know what? It's working for us, so... Um, it is what it is, but thank you guys for checking out the YouTube page. Um, I guess in this day and age, you just gotta have social media. Uh, thanks to everybody who participated in the Wednesday polls and questions. Um, I got some really good topic ideas from you guys, so thank you so much. I really appreciate it, guys. So I've had some requests to do for state parks. That's been like my most top requested, so not one to disappoint. We're gonna talk about a few more of Florida's amazing state parks. So I'm going to start off by reminding you of a few facts about them. The Florida State Parks have been recognized numerous times for being probably some of the best in the nation, and I can agree with that. I absolutely love exploring them, and you will find something for everyone in them. Florida has 175 state parks and nine state trails that encompass more than over 800,000 acres. And the state parks usually work with, like, nonprofits, so, like, friends of whatever state park. And that really assists with the volunteers to help enhance the park, keep it clean, keep it safe, and really make it, you know, well-maintained for people to visit. Um, the best example I can think of is the Friends of Washington Gardens. And they do a really good job at that state park, um, which that's one of my favorite state parks. Uh, I've talked about it numerous times. A lot of the parks also have a nominal fee to get in, um, but it's definitely worth it. It really just helps to maintain the parks, to keep up the bathrooms, to uh, make sure that everybody's clean and safe. It's really nice. And a lot of the parks also have separate fees, but that's to use, like, the cabins, the marinas, the campsites, any recreational activities in the parks. Uh, together, they the Florida parks offer over 3,000 campsites. I believe it's close to 3,600, honestly. They have 186 cabins, thereabouts, uh, that you can rent. 
thousands of picnic tables, <clears throat> hundreds of miles of beaches, which is no surprise here in the Sunshine State, and over 26,000 miles of trails. It's really one of those, if you want to get out and enjoy the Florida sunshine and weather, definitely find a state park. And the parks are open year-round, and they offer activities such as fishing, hiking, camping. You can even find some that actually offer horseback riding and facilities for birding. You can see battle reenactments in the parks, as well as enjoy freshwater springs, beaches, ponds, and lakes. Although, I don't know if anybody wants to swim in a pond or a lake, unless you're going to throw hands with a dinosaur. But it's there if you want to do it. Now, a few parks were actually even privately owned before they were purchased by the state, and some of those include well-known ones such as Rainbow Springs and Wikiwachi. And Florida's done a really good job to, like, preserve its history and its, like, natural beauty. Um, they have a really cool fund that is set up, and I'll talk about it in one of the other state parks on this episode, and it really just helps them to continue to buy land for conservation. And I, I think that Florida's done a really great job in that aspect, that they have that set aside and they understand that they want to protect the natural beauty of the state and not every square mile needs to be a subdivision or a Publix. A couple more facts about the Florida State Parks is that you can actually find the parks in 58 of the 67 counties. Nine of the parks do not have state park in their title. Four of them are conservation areas. Three are historical or archaeological sites. There's one fishing pier and one recreational area. Now, not all Florida parks are equal. Uh, seven are underdeveloped with little to no facilities. Ten are accessible only by ferry or private boat. Um, first one comes to mind on that one is Caladese. Beautiful, beautiful place. And 13 parks contain national landmarks, national natural landmarks. Eleven are national parks in Florida. First one on that one comes to mind is the Castillo de San Marco in San Augustine. Um, but chances are there is going to be something that fits your interest or your activity style in a Florida State Park, which is why I absolutely love talking about them. Now, the first park we're going to talk about today is Oletta River State Park. Oletta River is actually about 30 miles from Miami, um, and it's kind of like a protected, peaceful little area. And it doesn't seem like it's, it's close to Miami when you're in it. Um, and the park is bisected by the Oletta River, hence the namesake for the park. The area the park sits on, though, has a really long history. The Tequesta Indians called it home for many years, um, and it was also part of uh, a lot of settlement back in, like, the 1800s. Um, the Aletta River was originally named Big Snake Creek, and it was part of the route that was used by the federal troops in the Second Seminole War. They used the river to travel south from Loxahatchee, and that really kind of kept people out of it for a little while, especially because, you know, that was... To the Indians, that was their home, the Seminoles. Um, but after the Seminole Wars, uh, the river eventually was fully explored in 1881 by Captain William Hawkins Ful Fulford, and he settled the area in what is today known as North Miami. Now, people near there decided to kind of start coming out of Miami and streaming north towards where this area is, and they did so because it was really fertile, like pineapple farms, I, is it a farm? Pineapple? Yeah, we're going to call it a farm. Pineapple farms, vegetable farms, any other kind of farms you could think of really sprung up on the edge of this river in a newly formed town. Oj? Oj? It's O-J-U-S. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong. Oj? I don't know. I'm going to... No, I don't think it'd be French. Okay, well, anyways, that town. Um, and the river was actually super uh, important because it actually linked the Everglades to Biscayne Bay. 
and it was a po- it was already kind of a popular area by this time. They had established a trading post in what is now uh, Grinnell's Park. So this was a popular area even before Miami exploded, um, and it was super important. Now, the river was eventually renamed the Oletta River in 1922, and the historic Blue Marlin Fish House actually opened in 1938 as a commercial fishing operation, and it eventually evolved into an amazing smokehouse in the 1980s. Now, the Blue Marlin had some ups and downs, but it officially reopened in 2007 as a restaurant, and you can still eat there today. The Florida Forever Bill, and this is the bill I was just talking about, the Florida Forever Bill was created to assist the state in purchasing environmentally significant conservation and recreation lands, and the Oletta River was one of those. Um, The Oletta River State Park was actually acquired in March of 1980 for the purpose of protecting and restoring the natural and cultural values that would benefit Floridians. Marjorie Stoneman Douglas was actually a champion of the Everglades and regularly visited this state park Uh, especially during the opening ceremony in 1986 where she was in attendance. Uh, I think it's great that people even back then knew that we needed to preserve these lands. Now, the park is really cool. It's actually a lot bigger than you think, especially so close to Miami. It has more than 10 miles of bike trails that range from intermediate, I barely learned how to ride a bike or haven't done this in 20 years, all the way to advanced mountain biking trails. Um, So you can find about four miles of novice and three miles of paved. The paved trails are also great for skating. Uh, If you're into rollerblading, I commend those of you who do it. I don't want to die. Um, You can also rent a bike from the Oletta River Outdoor Center. Uh, They actually encourage it. They have bikes for uh, for rent at the little outdoor concession area. They even have helmets. So if you don't have your own, just borrow one. Camping is another fun thing to do at the park. Um, They have primitive campgrounds, so, you know, not uh, no electric hookups. And the campgrounds can accommodate about 30 campers each. They have three of these sites, and the sites include tables, fire circles, bathrooms, and cold water showers. So everything you would need to really enjoy nature at its finest. Of course, fishing is another fun activity in this park. You can fish off the pier or along the coast of the waterway. Uh, You do have to have a fishing license, but you can catch a wide variety of fish. Probably one of the most popular things at this park is canoeing, kayaking, stand-up paddleboarding. Um, this is probably the most popular uh, on the Oletta River in this state park. And you can even take guided paddling tours or eco tours, and you can even rent the equipment from the Oletta River Outdoor Center. So if you don't have your own and you really want to do one of these, this is a great place, especially considering they have guided tours. Um, they actually have a canoe kayak launch spot, or you can even launch from near the Blue Marlin Fish House. You can swim and snorkel off Biscayne Bay in the Saltwater Lagoon. Uh, They don't have lifeguards, so kind of at your own risk. But you can enjoy the sandy beach, the fun waters, and of course the Florida sunshine as you enjoy this park. The park actually sits on a thousand acres outside of Miami, and you can take in a large amount of wildlife even being that close to Miami. Wading birds, dolphins, and manatees all call this area home. Another cool thing the park has to offer is that it is home to 14 cabins. They're they're adorable. I think they're so cute. Uh, they do have covered porches, and they are air conditioning. That's very important. They do have AC. Um, they contain one double bed and a bunk bed in each cabin. However, they are still primitive, as you don't have to. You have to bring your own linens. They have restrooms nearby, so no bathroom in the actual cabin. No phones and no televisions, as they really want you to get out and enjoy, you know, the Florida outdoors in the state park. 
Another cool feature of the state park, which I think is an often overlooked one, is that they have a butterfly garden. Uh, the butterfly garden actually sits on about 0.4 acres, and it has a lot of native and variety, you know, native plants, huge variety of them. And it actually attracts butterflies year-round, and you can see many different kinds of butterflies. And I saw that you could do um, zebra, zebra butterflies and monarchs, and... I don't remember seeing this when I went to the state park. I guess this is one of those often overlooked things that even I overlooked. So now I have to go back down there and go to the butterfly garden. Now the Oletta River Outdoor Center is the place where they rent everything. It's like their concessions. They have gui- they all the guided adventures come out of here. You can go eco tours on kayaks or canoes. They even have uh, stand up paddleboard tours. They also have paddleboard yoga for those of you who are so inclined to try it and have. Much better balanced than me. Uh, but they do run out their kayaks, paddleboards, life jackets, helmets, canoes, and of course the bikes. Now, one of the historical features about this park is the Blue Marlin Fish House that I said has been since the 1930s. And it's really a staple in the area. Um, they have a really good selection of foods and snacks that they offer throughout the park. And they're actually reasonably priced. You can find their website and their menu online. Um, I looked it up because it's been a while. I did. I would eat there. I mean, they got some really good prices for what they are, for being in a state park and for being what they are offering. I mean, it's it's better than some of the restaurants, like, just down the road. And they do have a beautiful view of uh, the water. They have outdoor seating. You can even launch your canoe or kayak from there, like, right beside them uh, into the river slash bay. So the Oleta State Park, I think, is one of those, like, it's known in South Florida, but a lot of people outside of South Florida don't really know about it. And it's absolutely gorgeous. It's like its own paradise right outside of Miami. It's a way to escape the hustle and bustle of everything really that is Miami. Um, so if you're looking for a quiet moment in South Florida, I definitely recommend checking out uh, Oletta River State Park. It's absolutely gorgeous. We're going to stay in South Florida uh, for the next park I'm going to tell you about. And the next park I tell you about is more of a historically significant park as opposed to a recreational grounds. Um, I've actually been to this Battlefield State Park, and it was actually really cool. It really reminds you of what Florida has gone through in its statehood. And the place I'm going to tell you about next is Okeechobee Battlefield Historic State Park. And the battlefield actually sits directly on the edge of Lake Okeechobee. It's on the northern side. Um... The park is, you know, in Okeechobee, the town next to the lake. But it's also the site of probably one of the most significant battles in the Second Seminole War. It was kind of a turning point. And I did talk about this battle in my Seminole War, uh, Second Seminole War podcast. And yes, I know I need to do the third war. Um, But this battle was actually fought on Christmas Day of 1837, and it involved more than 1,000 U.S. military and volunteer soldiers, and they were fighting against the Seminole and the Miccosukee warriors on the northern edge of Lake Okeechobee. Now, I will tell you from my remembrance of the actual battle, um, the Seminoles and the Miccosukees definitely had the upper hand as they knew the land, they knew the Everglades, and they had a lot less casualties. Now, the battlefield was actually acquired relatively recently as of November 30th, 2006. And again, these are funds from that forever that Florida Forever program. And it's really the park, and it's got an outdoor public recreation area, and it's got a battlefield conservation all in one. So it's a really cool little area. 
Now, the Battle of Okeechobee marker that stands in the park was originally erected in 1939 by the Florida Society of the Daughters of the American Revolution and descendants of Colonel Richard Gentry. Now, since the park is located on the actual battlefield, and it is the site of the largest and bloodiest battlefield in the Second Seminole War, um, it is definitely worth checking out, especially in Florida history. And, yeah, if I remember right from my podcast research, it's three different, yeah, okay, so three different groups were advancing down south from Central Florida into South Florida. And they were coming from three different ways. There was three different people leading them. And they were somehow going to end up meeting up in towards Lake Okeechobee. And the Miccosukee and the Seminoles had been tracking them. And, of course, as they're tracking them, they're well hidden. And the area that the Miccosukee and the Seminoles were in was... And if you've ever been to Lake Okeechobee, it's high grass. It's, um, it's reeds. It's mud. There's a lot of mud in that part of the Everglades. Um, and the Semin- so basically the Seminoles were on a kind of a higher ground and they saw the troops advancing and they ended up firing on each other. And the U.S. lost a lot of people in this battle. And I mean a lot. I mean over 100 people, I think, if I remember correctly. And of course, the different outfits kept falling back and advancing and falling back and advancing. And finally, I believe they were able to drive them drive the Miccosukee Seminoles from their area, and the U.S. had a lot more casualties, and I want to say there was only maybe 10 to 12 Seminoles that actually died after the battle, Um, but it was actually one of the biggest and most significant in the Second Seminole War, because at this point, there was really less battles and really more skirmishes, Um, really just kind of encounters as, you know, a turning point of maybe we don't want to fight all this all the time. Now, the park offers many different experiences. One of the top experiences, though, being wildlife viewing. Uh, it is home to a lot of birds and waterfowl, black-bellied whistling ducks, woodpeckers, wood storks, ibises, ospreys, herons, and bald eagles are all frequently seen in the area. So if you're definitely into bird watching, you might want to check out this uh, state park. It's also very serene, very calm, very well-maintained. Um, I remember seeing a lot of uh, birds when we were there. And, of course, you can also join a, enjoy a picnic in the new pavilion. And the pavilion is designed like a cheeky hut. And so what a cheeky hut is is what the Seminoles used to use. And it's a thatched roof on poles up off the ground. And so it's a really nice way to show also historical content while enjoying the state park. Uh, they do have a full restroom facility. And the views from the cheeky hut are of the battlefield and of the lake. So it's a really pretty view to just sit and take in a moment. Now, the park doesn't have trails. It's not really a walking park, but it does have absolute huge historical importance in Florida as it shows its history, and it preserves the, the history of the state as it's progressed through the years. Um, again, I like this because it doesn't let it turn into a subdivision or a Publix or a car wash or a high-rise, anything in that area. So I think it's great that they have managed to preserve that part of Florida's history. Now, the last park I want to talk to you about has a really long name. And it always amazes me some of these names of these state park. But it is Allen David Broussard Catfish Creek Preserve State Park. I'm only going to say that once. Now, the preserve became an official state park in 1991. And it is, sits about 8,000 8, acres. It's located in Polk County. Good old Polk County, Florida. And it adjoins Lake Kissimmee State Park to the southeast. Catfish Creek lies along the rare Lake Ridge Lake 
Wales Ridge. Apparently, I can't say that at all. Uh, ecosystem. And then the Lake Wales Ridge ecosystem is actually a really unique ecosystem to Florida. Um, this ecosystem has plants and animals only found there. Not just in Florida, but just there. That's it. Uh, the scrub habitat is also one of Florida's oldest natural landscapes. And the park is home to a number of protected animal species, such as the gopher tortoise that is known to burrow 40 feet down and go 10 feet deep. The Florida scrub jay also calls this area home, as well as the bald eagle. Now, the park offers many different experiences. Uh, this is more of an outdoor park. Primitive camping is offered in the park at one of two different campsites. Each has a fire ring and a picnic table, and they are located in different parts of the park, depending on what kind of um, landscaping you want to see. Probably the top activity in this park is fishing. Uh, Catfish Creek allows you to fish from all the ponds in the park. You do have to walk about a mile from the parking area to get to them, but they offer a wide variety of fishes to be caught in the ponds. Um, and it's just kind, of a, just kind of a way to sit and take in the day. This park is actually huge in geocaching. Um, and if you don't know what geocaching is, I did explain it in another state park uh, episode. But the bottom line is basically somebody, uh, like you had a, you hide a treasure, and it could be anything. It could be, you know, a little book to write your name in. It could be like a little Lego man. I found one of those. and uh, But this is huge to be played in this park. And basically you put in the GPS coordinates, you find it. And it's a really cool game that lets you explore it and also leaves minimal impact to the land. Um, so it's definitely a fun thing to get into, especially if you want to explore, have fun, and if you want to learn how to use a GPS and coordinates really well. The park also offers six miles of hiking through the scrubs, flatwoods, and or around the ponds. The trails are actually part of the Florida National Scenic Trail. Uh, you can also take part in horseback riding walking or running on the trails, so you will not be alone. And I can say this park is truly an outdoor experience. You can really spend the whole day in the Florida sun while taking in the amazing views, spotting wildlife, fishing, um, or just really just taking in nature, you know? And I think that's the really cool part that the Florida outdoors really want to preserve is just taking in the nature. Um, the parks are a place where you will encounter many different wildlife, take in some spectacular views. You will definitely get some sun, but you might also encounter Florida man. Not going to lie to you, Florida man's everywhere in Florida. He pops up out of nowhere. But today's Florida man migrated a little bit. He was a man who was from Tampa but got arrested in Ohio. But to keep his true Florida man status, he attempted to bite off his own fingerprints while in custody to avoid being fingerprinted. I guess we never know where Florida man will end up. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing about a couple more state parks. Um, it is getting to be springtime. The weather is great. The rain is slowing a little bit. Um, so it's really a time to get out and explore. Um, I do have probably five or six other episodes in my uh, podcast history that talk about Florida state parks. So if none of these sounded good, go check out some of my older episodes and uh, hear some other state parks. You know, I've talked about some that include beaches and historical monuments and, you know, uh, oh, the one in South Florida that includes, I just forgot its name, but it includes the reef, snorkeling, um, and scuba diving. So Florida really does have something for everyone, and our, our state parks really do offer a great, unique experience um, for anybody who wants to get out and go explore. 
Um, I know there's a really cool book. One of my friends has it. She, where you can literally stamp that you've been to every state park. And I thought that was a really cool thing to start if you want to keep a diary of your state park explorations. Um, But thank you for listening today, guys. Uh, Florida state parks are definitely something to check out. I could wait to talk about them again. If you guys have any suggestions, if you want to say hi, if you have an idea for a topic, if you want to say, hey, I know all about this in Florida and I want to come on your podcast. You know what? I'm cool with that. Just reach out and say hi. I'm actually working on getting a couple people interviewed for stuff like that. Um, really open to anything. I want you guys to enjoy this podcast as much as I do. So thank you always for listening, guys. I hope everybody has a great week. Don't forget to drink your water, wear your sunscreen, be nice to one another. And as always, guys, that's your daily dose of sunshine. This podcast is a production of Unfiltered Studios. If you would like to know more about joining Unfiltered Studios, please visit our website at unfpod.com for more information.